educators. Thank you for joining us for Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. Classroom Conversations is presented by the Georgia Department of Education in collaboration with production partner, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Ashley Mingwasser here, your host, bringing you a special leadership episode today from a contagiously upbeat leader. Our modern world offers all sorts of coaching specialties, if you think about it. You can have a, a health coach, a career coach, a relationship coach. You can have a life coach or a financial coach, time management coach, a birth coach, a mindset coach. I love that one. And within our schools and districts, teachers are coached to build capacity toward various outcomes. And that's our topic today. Coaching teachers to create positive classroom climates. Love me some PCC. Think of positive classroom climate like a thermostat. Just turn that positivity up and the climate in the room shifts uniformly for the better. For a closer look at this, we didn't seek out an HVAC consultant. Oh, no. We went to a different office, the principal's. Our guest today is a model principal at a model school, Model Elementary, in Floyd County, to be exact, located in Rome. For eight years now, Principal Amy Hayes has been a leadership luminary, leading model to the 2022 National Distinguished Schools Recognition, a designation for the highest performing Title I schools in Georgia, making Amy's one of the top two schools in Georgia and the top 55 schools in the nation. To make this story even more faded, Amy is a model graduate, which she calls pretty awesome, and her husband also teaches at the school. Here to model models, model classroom climate, the inspired Amy Hayes. Welcome, Amy. How are you, Ashley? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's awesome to be here today. It's so good to have you here. Have you ever been on a podcast before about education? This is my first. Well, we want you to have the best time, and I'm going to make sure of that. Did you always have aspirations of a principalship? Actually, no, I did not. I started out as a classroom teacher, been in education for 26 years. Here, here. Yes, taught everything kindergarten through fifth grade. I said, I'll leave pre-K to those who have uh, the innate ability to rein in three and four-year-olds. Not <laughs> for me. I don't have that either. No. And middle and high school to my husband. So um, I love children, and I started out as a classroom teacher. But when I became an administrator, I told my teachers, I will always be a teacher at heart. Yes, I bet they love that about you. What are the preoccupations of an elementary school principal? What are you thinking about all the time? 24-7, 365, you are always thinking about everybody, every employee, every student, You carry the weight of the world when you are a school principal, and you wear very many hats. I call it code shifting. Yes. Going all throughout the day from person to person, from a conversation with a four-year-old to potentially an upset parent or to a teacher who needs help. You're constantly code shifting all day long. How do you do it all with such a smile? Grace. (laughs) Here, here. Your hobbies also in your personal life, Amy, are pretty out of this world. They're both food related. Uh, You came here today to share the deets and the goods, which I have in my hand. So tell me more. Yes. So when my youngest son went away to college, I had an empty nest feeling. And I had to throw myself at something. And we'd just gotten back from a trip to Columbia, South Carolina, to this absolutely fabulous cupcakery 
And I paid a lot of money for that cupcake. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can make these myself. So hence was born our or my kitchen therapy. And that's actually what I called it. I would post pictures of my cupcakes on my Facebook with my friends. And somebody once said, oh, my gosh, are you going to sell those? I want some. They look so delicious. And I said, well, my husband's already said they're the best he's ever eaten. But he says <laughs> that with the, everyone that he eats. Of course. This is yeah. the best I've ever he's eaten. He's a true fan of the gourmet cupcakes. 100%. So I, I love making cupcakes through my kitchen therapy. But then I also have another really neat hobby on the side. Which explains this weird bag of what looks like space food. What is it? It is space food, actually. (laughs) No, not really. Those are (laughs) freeze-dried gummy nerd clusters. About a year ago, I thought, you know what? Let's just get into some freeze-drying. And I freeze-dry anything from asparagus, and it becomes like an asparagus potato chip. But you've got that stalk of asparagus, all the nutrition, but it can go anywhere at any time. It's great when you're busy in the office and you can't stop to eat. You can pop an asparagus, freeze-dried asparagus stalk, get your nutrition, and keep running to that next classroom that needs you. Or if you just need a sweet treat, those gummy nerd clusters are awesome or some freeze-dried Skittles. Gummy nerd They're clusters. Will you taste one with me? Absolutely. And let's, let's talk to our audience about these. They look like little atoms. Uh, they're so colorful. We've got some pink, purple, blue. And let's, let's bite into yes. these at the same time. Oh, my gosh. That's really good. They're good, aren't they? Who knew that these should be freeze-dried? What is Nerds doing with their company? My goodness, have you contacted them? I have not. (laughs) But a lot of people do contact me and say, when are you going to make those again? I love them. Oh, they're so So, good. It's just the airiness of it. It is. The same thing happens with your asparagus with the freeze-drying? Absolutely. So what is that doing? It's just removing... It removes all the moisture, all the water. It brings it down to a vacuum freeze below negative... I've seen it go as low as negative 44. Wow. And then it just freeze dries that chamber and goes through a drying process. But then you get this blown up gummy nerd cluster that looks like DNA. It does look like <laughs> And it's delicious, too. It's the most delicious tasting DNA I've ever had. Since we're talking positive climate, which I know is, is kind of your wheelhouse, Amy, literally, uh, who are your positivity icons? I'm sure you have a few. I do. I love Todd Whitaker. He is amazing. When I first started my leadership journey, he uh, wrote, a, wrote a book called What Great Leaders Do Differently. But he also wrote one for teachers, What Great Uh, teachers do differently as well. And Todd Whitaker, he's just down to earth. One of his uh, quotes that I've always held on to is, it's people, not programs, that make the quality of a school. Too often in education, we're chasing that next thing instead of investing in what we have and what we have are our people. Yeah. I love Todd Whitaker. I also love John Maxwell, all about relationships. Have some of those books. He's fabulous. But then I had an interim uh, superintendent, Dr. John Jackson, who I also really uh, admired and looked up to because of his just innate ability to connect with people. And you felt seen and valued uh, when you were with him. Yeah. So I love that you're connecting it to somebody you know in your internal environment, which is powerful. At Model, is there a phrase that either your peers or students or administrators use to refer to you or something you do, Amy? 
Yes, um, my, one of my former assistant principals, having been principal for eight years, I've had four APs. They wow. send them to me to train them and to send them on. And out they go. Out they go. It's like raising a child. And I'm really <laughs> excited about this one particular AP. Uh, he's now a principal of his own school in one of our Georgia uh, districts, Polk County. Um, a testament. Yes, yes, it is. I'm very proud of Kyle Abernathy. And he would come, when I would tell him, I'd say, come, come walk with me. And the rest of the staff, when I would say, come walk with me, they were like, no, run the other way. She's got one of her crazy ideas. You're not you're, you're not going to come back. You're going to be gone for a long time. Come walk with me. So if anybody hears come walk with me, that meant watch out. Something else something is going is brewing. on. Something's brewing. Because I had, I always called it Blue Shoe Wednesdays. They knew if I had blue shoes on that Wednesday, it was the day that we were going to get into something <laughs> and start creating or cleaning out or making. But Kyle ended up calling his days with me the haze days. Oh, nice. It was a, a term that has stuck, a, a term of endearment, I guess you would say. Well, with that, uh, you know, recognition for your school, I'm sure that your school and your students and the parents in the community and your staff are really glad to be in the Hayes Days right now. Yes. And we're in the Hayes Days with you on our podcast here. Model as a school, you went there. You know, I it did. has an incredible past historically and evolutionarily under your leadership. So would you tell us just a bit about Model's origins and then the circulating the phrase that you helped coin, Amy, which was, we are Model. Yes. Tell me about Model. So when I was assistant principal of Model, I was between two schools running about 1,200 kids, and I was a AP at Model for on Wednesdays and Thursdays and every other Friday. And we were losing students. And uh, when my current principal at that time decided she was going to step into the district office, uh, I had the opportunity to apply for the principalship. And I did not realize that my teachers behind the scenes were planning our next cultural shift that we and we'd been discussing. So their phrase was buy the bracelets. So if I was named principal, they were going to buy the bracelets <laughs> because the conversation started on a, a, a just a very it was a tearful, passionate leadership meeting one one afternoon. And wow. I said, guys, I said, we are model. Ooh. We should not be losing students. We should be attracting students. We need to be the school to where the parents in the community say, where do I want my student? I want them at model. The standard. The standard. I said, in 1901, we were a model school, hence mm. the name model. Oh. We, were, we were so creative, we didn't change the name. Look at that. <laughs> there were seven congressional schools based on the con congressional districts. At the time, yeah. So that's where model school was born. Oh. In 1901. So over time, schools consolidated and elementaries and middles and highs were born out of that. But as a model school, we are model. We are model. And that's where that phrase was born. We are model. So there was a departure from that for a while. There was. And you helped get it back on track. There was. We needed a vision yeah. and purpose and direction which you have provided, that's a 122-year history. Yes. Uh, that sort of school-wide lockstep definitely begins in the classroom, Absolutely. which I know is what you're here to talk to us about today. Classrooms that have achieved positive climate, homeostasis, they're pretty energetic, wouldn't you say, Amy? Yes. I mean, they may as well be their own global destination with unique cultures and geographic coordinates because they are palpably unique and special. So lead us, if you will, Principal Hayes, through a sensory experience of the positive classroom. What, what does it look like, the positive classroom? So when I think about sensory, I think about what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Yes. And I often talk to my teachers about that. What, 
when I walk into your room, actually, that's been one of my interview questions in the past of somebody I've never met before, and they're sitting across from me interviewing for a job opening. If I were to walk into your classroom, what am I going to see? What mm. am I going to hear? Because that is everything. When you shared at the beginning, it's like a thermostat. Yeah. Just as the principal is the thermostat of that building, you've walked into a room before to where you either felt excitement and you were ready to stay and jump in or you've walked into rooms before and you could feel that tension and you could feel with the air this isn't a place where I want to stay so when I walk into my classrooms I want to see students engaged I want to see active learning I want to hear that dialogue between the teachers and the students as there's active questioning going on during the during the direct instruction time during that group work time I want to hear, hear the students talking together about that language of the standard. What was that learning target for the day? Are they focused on what the teacher has assigned them? But not just that. It's what are the, the relationship feelings that you're getting between the teacher and the student? Do you see smiles on their faces? What does that body language show you? Mm-hmm. Are they are they stooped over and their shoulders slumped? Or do you see kids, you know, their shoulders are upright. They're bright and learning. They're bright. They're engaged. Yeah. There's excitement in that room. But how did the, what do the teacher's faces show us when yeah. we walk into that room? It, I always say the teacher is like the mother of the house. If the mama's happy, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. And if the teacher's not happy, no one in that room's going to be happy. They are the, the thermostat in that classroom. So when you... Walk into that room. What you see, what you hear, what you feel is going to be key to whether it's going to be a positive room or a room that you're questioning, what can I do to to shift the atmosphere and the climate in this classroom? To change the positivity on that thermostat. Do positive classrooms have a smell or a taste? I mean, I bet there's some fun things going on in those classrooms. There are always fun things going on in that classroom. So smell or taste. So several years ago, I brought in the middle of COVID um, a, a group for professional development called Hope and Wade King about making classroom magic. And it was all about classroom transformations of turning your classroom into whatever the theme is that you're getting ready to jump into. So you may walk into a classroom and see the desks pushed together and turned into like wagons from the pioneers going out west. You may walk in and see that the tables are pushed together and it looks like a restaurant where they're doing book tastings. Mm. Uh, There is always something going on throughout the year in our classroom. So, yes, there are things that you can see and smell and taste. And even after recess, there are their own unique smells as well. <laughs> I, I imagine some wanted, some not so yes. wanted. If you can think of it as a seismic shift uh, where models positive climate originated, what do you think is the first practice you guys embraced that really got that going? Really, it's building relationships. Uh, our, we had to redefine our purpose and direction. And our mission statement was uh, was born from that. It was birthed from that. And together with my team, over a year of just asking what adjectives describe us, who are we, what would the parents, who would they say we are, who do the students say that we are, and taking all of those adjectives together and narrowing them down to where I saw patterns and trends, and then taking those back to my leadership teams, and even to my school governance team, our LSGT team, as a we're a charter system. So taking that back, we were able over a year's worth of time to, to narrow it down to we are model. Love that. We are passionate about fostering relationships, community, character, and academic excellence. We realized that everything that we say and do needed to be reflected 
by our practices. And we needed that clear purpose and direction, which it started with that development of our mission and our vision through our mission statement. And you have a very cool custom, which is a, a borrowed British custom, yes. a, a house system. Tell us about your house system at Model. So I shared a few moments ago, buy the bracelets. Yeah. All of that was about our house system. So my staff and I, we had been uh, reading about Ron Clark. Many of us had been to the Ron Clark Academy. And we realized that when when you look at groups of people coming together, there's a sense of belonging that's needed. Everybody is looking to where do I fit in? Am I valued? Am I seen? Am I someone? So how could we recreate that in our school building, in our classrooms and school-wide through our house system? So we have four houses, the house of Ari, and they sport red. (laughs) Um, We have the house of Kenji. The house of Kenji sports uh, orange. And I'll share with you, Ari means brave. It's an Armenian word. Uh, and that house is brave. Uh, Kenji, they're wise. That's a Japanese word. I'm in the house of Naya. We're the greenhouse. So every what Wednesday. What's green? What's Naya? So green is ambitious. And yes, Amy, you are in the correct yes. house. You and were sorted correctly. All, I was sorted correctly. <laughs> and all those who were sorted with me is so funny because it, what they were not selected, they were randomly drawn for the house of Naya. But we're all so much alike. Yes. All of our ambitious people are together. And then our last house is the house of Pilar. It's a Spanish word that means dedicated, and they sport the color yellow every Wednesday for House Day Wednesday. So you have all those houses, those colors, what the significance of each house is. I think I would like to be in the wise house. I feel like that would be my vibe. And I know when you're working with your teachers on these kind of customs and new ones, you've said the word so many times already in our episode, and it's relationships, relationships. I know that that is so pivotal for for what you're doing at your school at Model. Before you coach a teacher, you want to have a relationship with them, and you do. So give us some ways that you have built positive relationships with your teachers. So the biggest uh, foundational piece for me is you've got to be intentional, and you have to ask questions. It's not about me. It's about we. Mm. A leader can say they're a leader all day long, but if I turn around and no one is following me, it's all what I think it is. To run a school, to run an organization, it has to become like a well-oiled machine. And that only comes from knowing people. And how do you know people? My door is open. I'm asking questions. I know their family. I know their spouses. I know what foods they love. I know when they don't feel good, what I can slip in their mailboxes in the, in the teacher workroom. They know that when they come to me, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm, I've got you in terms of what are you doing wrong. It's, I've got your back. Yeah. I'm here for you. I'm your coach. I'm your number one cheerleader. If I know your strengths and how I can play on those strengths with you, we're going to grow together. And if I can grow you, I'm going to grow. I've always said I'm only as good as those that I surround myself by. So it, it is truly all about relationships, but getting to know your people and trust. If they know that they can trust me and that's built through consistency over time of, am I going to do what I say I'm going to do? And do I model what I ask others to do? Do I lead by example? All of those things are things that they're going to turn around and look at me. If she's asked us to do this, is she doing those things? You know, are are those things being done by herself as well? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. And that's so key. I'm sure there are some maybe even unsavory things you've had to do as a principal. Absolutely there are. Can you think of anything? (laughs) So we all know that during COVID, we were all shifting gears and picking up other jobs throughout the building because of just 
classroom teacher shortages, but I've also had custodial shortages and nutrition staff shortages. Once one of my APs and I, it was Grandparents Day actually, several years ago, and the restrooms right across the hall from the cafeteria backed up. (laughs) Which then calls the plumbing in the kitchen to back it's up. It's always the plumbing. It's always the plumbing. Uh, you've got to think. There's a school of 500 kids and <laughs> 70 employees, and it was Grandparents' Day. Everything's going to happen when you have company. Yes. So, yes, my AP and I, we found ourselves with plungers in the <laughs> in the boys' room. So deserve an award for that one, too. Uh, yeah. So you you do what you have to do. Lead by example. Exactly. You know? Principal slash plumber. Exactly. I think that there is absolutely a market for that. <laughs> this is one of those times, Amy, where I wish our listeners could be in the room for us because your your truth and your purpose is so palpable. It is absolutely kinetic, and I know that you fundamentally understand coaching because because you're doing it, you're living it, you you breathe it. What are some important traits for you in coaching and why? So in coaching, some of those traits, I would say the greatest trait is listening. Right. I've always held on to the phrase, seek first to understand, yes. then to be understood. Then to be understood. Because I have all these crazy ideas that, you know, come walk with come me. Come walk with me. <laughs> but unless I understand, number one, who are my people, who are my team, what makes them work, then all of my ideas are going to fall short. I have to have them. So in order to know them, I have to listen to them. And I can only listen by asking those questions getting their feedback. Shared leadership for me is key. Again, I can all day have visions and dreams. And as the principal, that's my job. Right. I need to see, and they love this about me. They really don't, but they do. <laughs> I'm, I'm six months down the road ahead of them, and I'm talking about things that are coming in six you're months. You're in the future. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh. We're, we're just in August, and you're talking about January. Don't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, but this is what's coming next. Yes. So I'm always 10 steps ahead of knowing where we go. But it's like that mother hen. I've got to put my feathers out and just kind of slowly guard and guide them. Yes. And sometimes it's like putting my hands up to protect them. Of, Not right now. Mm-hmm. That's too much. We're going to slow things down a little bit. You've got to know how much is too much to ask because teachers have a very hard job. And coming out of COVID, we forget that COVID happened. Right. And we all want to return to normal like it didn't happen, but it did. Mm-hmm. And the groups of kids that are coming into our classrooms now and our pre-K and our kindergarten, they're the ones that were born during COVID or who never had that, that daycare setting So we're dealing with a whole nother set of issues, and it takes, do you know your people? Yeah. So listening is, number one, the best trait that I can say, and just understanding folks, Mm -hmm. seeking to understand them. Yes, seek to understand. How how can coaches like you help teachers out there determine their areas of need when it comes to their instructional strategy, areas that... You know, they may need a little improvement. How do you do that? I'm sure gracefully, as always. Absolutely. So, again, it it starts with that relationship and that risk-free environment. No one wants to know that they're doing something poor. Right. I mean, none of us want to be told that. You always want to know, what am I doing right? But what can I improve on? Right. And you're going to take that advice by someone that you can trust because you know that they're there for you. So the first thing is going to go back to, can I have critical conversations with my staff Yes, because they trust me. 
I'm going to go into their classrooms and based on observation, when I'm in there with them, what do I see? It, it goes back to your the first sensory question. experience. Yeah. All those experiences. What do I see? What do I hear? What am I? Sometimes it's what am I not seeing? Uh, what am I what not What is absent hearing? here? Yes. Yeah. And it's all about looking for those trends and patterns of what are those things? And can I sit down with them afterwards and have those critical conversations that they know they can trust me, right. that I'm going to have their back to grow them. Um, I'm going to look for what are their strengths. Yes. I, I have certain teachers that will look at me and say, do not ever put me in first grade. I cannot teach a child to read. I'm great at math. I am not going to put her in first grade. I know that's not her area. Often uh, leaders can just move people as positions And we have to be very mindful. I always talk about mindful leadership. If we just place people based on positions, we're not only going to set ourselves up for failure, we're going to set them up for for struggle as well. Right. So uh, you've got to know people's strengths. What do they do well? And and just grow on that. I said, you, you would not want me on your basketball team. <laughs> Are you <But> sure? <laughs> girl, ask anybody that knows me. The coordination doesn't happen. I would not be your success player. I would be keeping your stats on the bench for sure. That's the same in our classrooms. Right. It's a team. You've got to know who you're going to put as your key players in which position based on what they bring to the table. And as leaders, that's our job to know our teachers, and to know what strengths we can build on. You respect those disclosures that they give you about, here's what here's yes. what I gravitate to, here's what I'd like to avoid. And I'm sure you also see strengths in them that you can help usher them into. What are two to three strategies that you're using when you're coaching teachers to improve the thermostat of their positivity? <laughs> so two to three of those strategies, I would start with my first one is when I'm in those classrooms and I'm just – sitting, I'm listening, I'm observing, I'm soaking it all in, number one, as as their support, but also if I'm a student in that classroom. True. Or my own child in that classroom. Are those, what are the facial expressions of those kids? Are they excited to be there? And when I'm done observing, number one, that teacher knows. Actually, I had a teacher once, I hadn't even left the classroom fully yet. I'm, I'm closing the door and walking out, and I'm getting a text saying, Oh, my gosh, that was my worst observation ever. I hadn't even said anything. Oh, wow, yeah. It was because she knew me and our school-wide expectations, but that that trust and that that ability to be vulnerable, she was like, I had this going on this morning, and she listed all these things, and I said, thank you for reaching out to me. Come by and let's talk later. Yeah. So she opened that door. But for me, it's when I'm in those classrooms Giving that specific feedback, teachers want feedback. And as leaders, we have to know that it is okay to give critical conversation feedback. Often I think it's we worry about what they're going to think or it, it becomes maybe more of a personal issue when we have to realize our goal is to support, 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 mm-hmm. to grow them. Not everyone comes in knowing and having all the answers. I said, my gosh, I think back to my first year as a teacher. I'm glad I, can, I, I was able to talk my principal into hiring me right. because I learned so much over the, you know, my first two, three years. It truly takes at least three years to really understand and to begin to master 
a skill set. Wow. And teachers need someone that's going to know and understand them and listen to them, provide that critical feedback, provide that observation that's risk-free of knowing She's not coming in here to catch what I'm doing wrong. No, she's in here to, like you said, to have my back. Yes. Three years. That's a pretty big incubation period. It is. And when you say, you know, we're here, we're here to help our teachers grow, it just gave me that huge flower, floral mental mental image of you're growing a flower and a, a flower doesn't grow on its own. It no. needs soil. It needs to be pollinated. It has to be grown up and risen up by other factors in the environment. How is goal setting a part of that? I imagine goal setting can be effective and and helping teachers to improve their classroom practices. Do do those goals come from them? Do they are they a collaborative effort? So goal setting for me is the same thing we ask our teachers to do for students. We ask them to differentiate. Really? So dif- they need to differentiate instruction in their classrooms. If they have a child who comes in and they're accelerated at the top of the class, they know not just to teach that same lesson to every student. Every student, yeah. Everyone needs to be met where they are. That's why we call that where they're ready for instruction. Knowing your audience. Know your as audience. As we say in my profession, yeah. So for me, again, it goes back to that lead by example. If I'm going to expect my teachers to differentiate for their students, then as, as the lead teacher in that building, as the administrator, I need to differentiate for my staff. Mm-hmm. I need to know, again, going back to what are their strengths, what are those areas that need improvement, And then I differentiate based on that need. If I have a brand new teacher, I'm going to be pairing her up with a mentor, with somebody on her grade level that she can be vulnerable with, but also letting her know that you can come to me as well. There are no wrong questions. The only wrong question is the question that's not been asked. Mm -hmm. If I'm rolling out staff development, it may not be for everyone. Maybe it's, it's a math strategy that we're needing to work on, and I'm going to value your time. Time is the one thing that educators need more of. Yes. And if we just fill their day with meeting after meeting, I try to be, again, very mindful about how I use their time and what I ask of them in giving of their time. So if it's something they need, I'm going to allow them the opportunity and the time to provide that for them. But if it's not going to be something that's going to improve student achievement or student growth or build them professionally and help with that pedagogy, I'm not going to ask them to come and be a part of that because if they're going to have to differentiate for all of their students, I need to be expected to differentiate for For all of my teacher's needs. So for me, I'll go back. The goals are based on what that teacher needs. That individual teacher needs, which you can determine based on knowing them. Absolutely. The relationship piece. I want to conclude, if we can, Amy, with just a, a wonderful success story of, of this in action. Do you have a favorite tale where maybe somebody on your, your staff was successfully coached to improve their classroom climate? Ground it for us as you do so well. Yes. So one of the uh, most exciting times I had was following a classroom observation. I had gone into a kindergarten classroom And the teacher was doing a great job. She was following our school-wide expectations and rolling out that target of the lesson. But what I found was during the middle of the lesson, because she's so sweet and so nurturing, she was caught up in the weeds of the moment of trying to redirect student behavior. Oh, yeah. And her lesson, it was a math lesson, and they were being pirates, and she was going, and, you know, getting them into the lesson for the day. And but she had some little boys who dove off the plank and where they were they were so <laughs> focused on being the pirate that they had lost the 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 learning target for the day 
and in her sweet nurturing and just personality and being that that kindergarten teacher, she was trying to redirect the behavior and explain the why behind the behavior. And so pretty much she ended up spending the majority of her time not focused on getting to the meat of the lesson that I knew she wanted. Right. But in her mind's eye, she was doing everything she thought was the right way to do it by explaining to them why they needed to do what she'd asked them to do. So following the observation, I I sent her an email and gave her some specific feedback, but not just through email. I said, come and see me. And that's the key. Come and see me. Come sit down. Let's close my door. Let's sit on the couch together because there's a couch in my office. And when they come in, it's table talk. It's not me across my desk. And if I'm ever at my desk, it's saying, come around here and let's look at my computer screen together Together. with me. It's not that separation piece, but it's come in and let's take a look. What went well? And then listening to her, what did go well? And start the conversation by what, what did go well for you that day? But where did you see that things started to derail? And just helping her to see what was your goal for that lesson. And then giving her strategies from my 26 years of experience of, what it means to have assertive discipline in her classroom and what it means to be, you know, to take charge. And it's okay at certain times not to give them a why in the middle of a lesson. It's because you said so. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> that can be enough. <laughs> so for her, it was taking those strategies that I had modeled for her in that one-on-one, going back to that differentiation, what she needed. She went back to her classroom that next day, that week. And she came back to me. She, before I could even get back into her classroom. She found you. She found me, but started with the phrase, you're going to be so proud of me. Aww. And to have an adult say, you're going to be so proud of me. And that's what I found about teachers. They want to bring their best. Mm-hmm. Often teachers are people who seek to please. Yes. And they have, um, teachers are, their spirits can be broken. And that's what, as leaders, we have to be very mindful in how we roll out things or blanket emails I'm so not a fan of because those pleasers, everyone's going to internalize that. Was that for me? Was that something I did? And you're going to stifle that that vulnerability. And the the climate is going to begin to shift from that trust-based to a fear-based. So it goes back to that differentiation. Deal with things as they need to be dealt with. Know your people. Call them in when they need to be called in. But above all, support them. Do whatever it takes to clear that plate for them, to give them the time to do the hard work that we ask them to do every day, which is to rein in 20 to 28 students Mm -hmm. and not only teach that child so that they can achieve, but to grow that child socially, emotionally, and academically. Amy, thank you for being such a model principal. You truly are exemplary, and uh, I'm, I just, I'm in awe of you. You were properly housed, Amy, in the house of Naya, the house of ambition. And uh, you're achieving your ambitions at your school. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you, Ashley. To our principals listening, coaching teachers on positive climate, we need you out there, coach, as we've just heard. You're a great leader. And to our teachers, you are the key asset for Principal Hayes here and others like her. You're a great teacher. Remember the positive classroom climate thermostat and keep the classroom positivity turned up. It's HVAC PCC. 
never forget. I'm positively jazzed to report that we'll have a brand new episode ready for your consumption next week. At that time, as Amy would say, I can say, come and walk with me. Come and walk with me. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, signing off. Goodbye for now. for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 